HD Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. We expect to win every time we step on the field. That's just the, the mindset and the culture that we have. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Don't forget to check out Inside the Birds podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday drops at 6 a.m. and it is brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. Here is the Sports Bash Cash code word. It is slow. S-L-O-W. Slow. S-L-O-W. The Eagles wide receivers are very slow. Enter it now on our website, 97.3ESPN.com. It's brought to you by Jersey Shore Federal Credit Union, now in the Peachtree Plaza in Hamilton. All right, Adam Kaplan is here from the Inside the Birds podcast, and he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline as the Eagles get ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Adam, how are you? Guys, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you would have talked last year, the Eagles have the slowest wide receivers in the National Football League. Not the case this season, though some of them, unfortunately, are hurt. Yeah, well, let's get an update on that. Uh, what do we know about Alshon, Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and I guess to a lesser extent, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I guess people are hoping he's not ready to return, but it sounds yeah. like Doug says once he's back, he's going to be a part of the offense. I don't know if you believe him or not, but what does uh, this offense look like at wide receiver uh, with what we know now? Yeah, so Deshaun Jackson, Jeffers still limited. They were limited yesterday. Uh, J- Jackson did practice last week, so at least he's doing something this week. They're both still very questionable. Jeffrey didn't even practice every day last week. He did not practice, practice last Thursday, which was not a good sign, which is almost certain that he wouldn't have played. Until, until these guys take full practice and do not expect them to play, we'll see what they do today and tomorrow. Ortega Whiteside did take a full practice, and he, he took his normal reps. Um, he's a backup. That's the way the Eagles look at him right now. And he's going to back up the exposition, and that's kind of where they see him lining up. They do need him. He's a body. They they just need they need receivers. Remember, they only dressed four receivers last week, and you don't want to do that. You want to dress five. So if Arthago Whiteside is healthy enough, he will dress on Sunday at the Steelers. That's really right now the injury situation for the Eagles at wide receiver. As long as nobody else gets hurt. All right. Uh, I mean, where is Jeffrey, in your opinion? I know that they did not put him uh, on the pup list to start the season. The anticipation was he would be ready. We're five weeks in. Does this a uh, coin flip this week, or is it leaning towards probably not? Coin flip, um, just because it's five weeks out from the start of the regular season. So in my reporting, uh, which we first reported back in mid-August, I was told, and I reported on a show inside the birds, that Jeffrey would not be going on the Reserve physically unable to perform list uh, to start the season. A couple weeks later, they confirmed that. And it's, the reason why they did it, Mike, is because they thought for sure he'd be able to play within the first six weeks. Because if you're, not, if you're on that list to start the season, you have to miss a minimum of six weeks. So this is week five. If he doesn't play this week, then, they, then they, you get to week six against Baltimore. So, um Again, if, if, he, if he does not practice fully today or tomorrow, you expect him not to play. That's just unfortunate. And when he plays, by the way, he's not going to play a lot of snaps because he's not played since mid-December of last season. It's really crazy. He, we're looking now. I, you know, we're, we're, we're almost to the 10-month mark, and we're getting close to it. Uh, so th- this is not what they expected, but things happen. And 
By the way, when you come back from this injury, I'm told that you have a lot of soreness in your foot after you start working. So it could be that. I'm not exactly sure, but um, it's disappointing that he's not ready yet. That's what I was going to bring up. It's like, what are the realistic expectations if he does return? When he does return, you're thinking of one-on-one matchups, going up to get the football. I mean, that's yep. what we've seen out of Alshon Jeffrey throughout his career, and it's just hard for me to really expect him to do that right out of the shoot with this injury. Yeah, two years ago, Hunter, that when you looked at their situation, when Alshon came back from his, his rotator cuff surgery, he didn't play until week four. That was the game at Tennessee. That was that bad loss to Tennessee where they blew a big lead, the picket fence game, where they gave up too many plays. I would not expect him, if he plays this week, I wouldn't expect more than like 20 plays. Again, he's going to have to show me that he could practice fully. But that's it. And then you gradually increase his practice, his playing reps. They need him. Look, they'll take whatever they can get whenever he can play because they're so inexperienced at receiver. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, coming back from what uh, we reported last uh, couple weeks ago, was a grade one hamstring strain. He, they cannot clear him to play until the fluid's out of his hamstring, so hopefully that'll happen by tomorrow, but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, Adam Kaplan from the Inside the Birds podcast. Don't forget, drops tomorrow, 6 a.m. Uh, Travis Fulgham, all right? You got uh, yeah. a guy who comes up big, makes a big catch. Do the Eagles, I mean, we've seen guys. Uh, Shelton Gibson had a big catch. Bryce Treggs had one big catch, <laughs> yes, and they sir. kind of, uh, you know, uh, vanished. Is Travis Fulgham another one-hit wonder? You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Bryce Treggs. He's actually, I, I saw this on Twitter, he's actually trying to become an agent. He, uh, he stopped playing football, but you're right. And, and Treggs was a big play guy. He was a really great straight-line uh, straight speed. I, this is the way that, that he kind of burst on the scene. So, Fulcom, I happen to be at practices. I detailed this on our last Friday show on uh, Inside the Birds. And I could just explain it to you kind of in depth what, what, what I knew. So I was at practice last, uh, last summer, this summer actually, and I just noticed that he was making plays one-on-one. In fact, there was one play, though, you know, we're, we don't really, we're not near the players like we used to. The play had to be a sideline throw where he beat coverage and he ran right by me. I'm like, wow, this kid's really tall. You know, he's 6'2 and a half, 215 pounds, and he could run a little bit. And, in, and from what I'm told, uh, not only did he have a good training camp after the Eagles brought him in, for, uh, after the Packers cut him, but all his practices leading up to this, uh, to being active this, this past week, were really good in, in, during the regular season. So they put him in there, and as Carson Wentz said, uh, he told him coming out of the huddle, uh, be ready because the ball could be coming to you. And it did, and, and by the way, that was a great throw by Carson, and despite what some of the fans think, he absolutely made the right read. Not knowing to make the right read, he looked like that throw was exactly the kind of throw that he would make in seventeen, which he's not been making here. As a matter of fact, there are some throws Wentz, by the way, is still not making where he holds on to the ball and he just doesn't throw it to, his, to the first pass target. So that that that'd be the one thing we could get into. But getting back to Fulgham, uh, he really has he's on the spot. You know they they add him from the practice squad. I expect him to be unless he struggles. I expect him to be on this this active roster for several weeks to come. What's going on with Zach Ertz? Because there's three ways that you can kind of look at this. Is it a financial issue, messing with his head? Is he getting older? Is it the defense playing him a certain way and forcing the Eagles to win their other battles? I mean, what is going on with Zach Ertz? You know, Hunter, no, I, I don't think so. This past game, you know, my, my initial inclination, inclination was just like the fans thought. I thought the, the Niners did some type of coverage to stop him, and I'm told it's not actually the case. Uh, after the coaching tape came out for... Uh, the Eagles uh, and, and um, you know, other teams that I've spoken with uh, that will be playing the Eagles coming up, they saw the same thing the Eagles did. Zach just didn't win. 
you know, the, remember now the the 49ers were without three of their top corners, and he just could not get open. Uh, they do have two really good safeties, but he just didn't get open. So I'm sure knowing Zach, covering Zach since 13, I, I just know the way he looks at it. I'm sure he'll look at it and look at the tape and know that he needs to do a better job of winning, and he always wins. So I... I'd expect to bounce back, though. This this matchup this week against the Steelers is actually even harder. Uh, let's go to Wentz, and you mentioned the throw that he made to Fulgham. Um, but overall, what did you think of his performance? Is there growth here? I mean, or are we still looking at a guy? We had uh, Ike Taylor on earlier who said, look, uh, last week we talked to Eric Davis. He said that he was pressing, and Ike told us today he's trying too hard. So these guys who play defensive back in the yeah. league and are studying him are saying, I'm looking at a guy who's pressing and trying too hard. What did you think on Sunday night? Yeah, I, this past game, I don't think he was trying too hard. I just think that based on what I was told, this one surprised me because no one told me this except one person who saw the tape. Uh, Deontay Burnett, he didn't get a pass target, but he was open as a primary uh, for a touchdown. He missed him. He missed Sanders on the crosser. Clear, wide open space. He threw it too low. Now, some people think Sanders should have had it. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but, folks, the pass has got to be, first of all, you never make your pass target slow down, and Sanders would have to slow down, reach down, and get it. That's, that's on the quarterback. That's not on Sanders. Um, he, he missed three or four throws where he didn't pull the trigger. That's, that's not like Wentz. That's the thing we're seeing this season, guys. He's staring down his pass target and not throwing it to him, and he goes to somebody else. So that's the one thing, folks, when you watch him this week, and, oh, by the way, it might rain on Sunday, no matter what the weather looks like, just watch him, see if, see if he holds on to the ball a little bit and doesn't go to the first guy. I thought it was uneven, but encouraging because not only that throw to Fulgham, you know, the first throw to Fulgham was was also great, and the great catch by Fulgham, great route. I saw, also thought he made some really good throws, and kudos to Doug Peterson. We, we've been very critical of him on Inside the Birds, but Peterson and his coaching staff did a really good job of play calling. Yeah, they only scored 17 points in offense, but I was encouraged with the play calling, and, and I, thought, I thought Wentz was a little bit better this past week. What do you think about him running the football? It does seem like when he gets in that mode and he's not afraid to use his legs, he becomes a different gamer. It's like he gets engaged more in the football game when he is more of that option and weapon when when actually used, utilizing his legs. Yeah, it was good because when he had open space, in fact, there was one run where he didn't. He just beat he just beat out the defenders. I, I, and for those of you who thought he was injured or not, his back was bothering him or whatever, that, obviously that's not correct. Now, I will say one thing. Since that surgery in 17, he has a little bit of a hitch when he runs. If you watch him closely, you can see it. Yep. But he still gets there. That's the bottom line. He finishes off his runs. And you're right, Hunter. I'm glad you brought that up. This, is, this adds something. It's, quarterback coaches look at it as a bonus when you have a mobile quarterback. But a guy who could run when the pocket breaks down, you really want that to happen. Take the space that's there. And he certainly did that against the Niners. Adam Kaplan, uh, football at four, right here on the Sports Bash from the Inside the Birds podcast. Drops tomorrow at six. Don't forget, uh, 10 a.m., the Inside the Birds pregame show with Trey, uh, Greg Cosell, Jeff Mosher, and Adam Kaplan. They'll get you ready for the Eagles and the Steelers. You can get that on Facebook, all your social media platforms. Uh, what about Jordan Maialata? Um I heard you on Inside the Birds, which is the segue that I'll use here, say that if he plays well, Stick with them. You know, even if Peters is ready, if Maialata plays well over these next three games, stick with them there. So how was his first outing? Yeah, pretty good. Maialata, here's the thing with Maialata. You just got to be patient with him. The Niners are without Nick Bosa, who would have lined up against him. Okay, he, he, Nick Bosa tours ACL. He's out for the season. D. Forders, the best sub-package rusher, speed rusher, okay? He's on injury reserve. 
So let, let's just understand that, okay? Th- that's where that's at. So my life did a good job. I mean, his first ever start, I mean, he was really good. Really good story, by the way, and I hope they stick with it because then, you know what, don't forget, Jason Peters did great. Jason Peters did phenomenally well at guard, I'm told, uh, before everything had to change. And by the way, the injury report just came out. Not good news. Alshon Jeffrey did not practice on Thursday. Deshaun Jackson was still limited. Maddox did not practice on Thursday. Um, Arthur Whiteside, full practice. Cox, Epps, Herbig, Kelsey, full practice. So bad news for Alshon. Well, the Alshon uh, thing, Adam, is it illness? They're saying illness. illness, right? I was saying yeah, I, they've yeah, been saying so, he missed with illness, not right. Not, we got to see now. Now we got to see with a foot, though. It, he's got to practice tomorrow with with, with that. We got to see if how he does tomorrow. Bad news, though. The bad, the big one is um, Avanti Maddox also still being out. The Rodney McLeod is limited, so I would think he would go. I really do. I would, I would think he'd be able to play this week. Uh, I want to get you. We had Alex Singleton in on Tuesday. What a cool yeah. story that guy has. Uh, but, I mean, I got to tell you, forget the fact that he was a cool guy and was on the show. I he thought he stood out. Like, he had linebacker instincts. He's a big guy. He could run. He was in the right position. He didn't see my – he played 15, uh, 15 snaps, had two tackles. And the two tackles he had, he, he read the hole, shot the hole, made the tackle. I mean, I don't know. Is he is he somebody? I, right now, the way I understand it, T.J. Edwards, who unfortunately went on IR, and Singleton have been their best linebacker so far through the four games. I, I'd be very surprised, and we'll, we'll get it confirmed uh, for Inside the Birds, our show on Sunday, where we broke the news that Mills would start a corner. Um, Singleton has done a good job. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you talked to him. Uh, you don't look—he played football in the CFL. Uh, I talked to actually a CFL executive about him, believe it or not, about a month ago. And said that he's a he if he if you had your druthers he's your fourth linebacker he's probably not a guy you want starting, but with this linebacker core which is the worst in the National Football League he's one of their best and he deserves his chance to start right now for sure yeah uh, he's he's the kind of he said look I, I don't care where I play I'd play for nothing if you sent me to Germany just so I can get on the field I play <laughs> I mean that's the kind of guy he you know he was like, I went to Canada not because I couldn't make a roster because I just wanted to get on the field and play football he's, he's the defensive player of the year up there. And uh, I don't know. They might they might be forced into using them. Maybe they're forced into finding something here. Who knows? Uh, Adam Kaplan, let me get uh, your thoughts then. Um, the linebackers were awful, but the defensive line, if they play like that, that's th- that's how you can possibly put some wins together here with that defensive line. You know, it's almost, Mike, when you look at their situation, that the D-line said, we need to win this game for us. And they did. It was really remarkable what they did. They, they've had 33 quarterback hits over the last two games. They've got, you know, they had eight sacks against the Bengals. They got incredible pressure. And you know, the key to this thing is a sub-package rusher is Jannard Avery. Five quarterback hits. All of them were impactful, including one which caused a, an interception. This kid is the fastest, by far the fastest DN that they have. The Eagles are now a legit eight deep on the defensive line. And wait till Vinny Curry comes back. I don't know how much Vinny Curry's going to play when he comes back if this keeps up. It's only one game. Let's not go crazy with Jannard Avery, but he gives them something they don't have. And yeah, it does help a secondary. By the way, when your when your D line is the best in football right now, it's going to help your secondary, particularly a corner where they're weak, opposite Darius Slay. And their linebackers were were, were I mean, what can I, what can I say? I know I, I I know Jim Schwartz is trying to protect his players, and, and that's admirable. But nobody in the no nobody in the right mind thinks Nate Garrett should be playing. I mean, that's, he's a backup. That's what he should be. They have what they have, and you got to live with it. But it's it's hard to watch them. It was embarrassing 
you know, Jim Schwartz talked about, look, they tried everything against George Kittle. Uh, what they didn't do is have Darius Slay on him. That, that's the thing they could have done, but they decided not to. Speaking of that defensive line, could you say that that was Derek Barnett's best game of his career? Because he really stood out to me. Yeah, I wouldn't say career, but he, you know what I love? They stood him up. They stood Jannard Avery up. You know, these are the things that Jeff and I, Jeff Mosher and I talked about on Inside the Birds. And particularly myself, I said, what I'm hearing is they're going to start, when we were talking about our, in our spring shows, I said, Jeff, here's what I'm hearing. They're probably going to do some things they've never done before. Their pre-snap movement, their alignment, they're going to do – I didn't know about standing up, but they were going to preach snap disguise because this is, this is by far the biggest criticism of Schwartz from other teams is that he's so vanilla on defense with that wide nine. Yeah, every, every team he just puts a DN inside. That's nothing new. We've been seeing that for 25 years. But Schwartz now is doing some innovative stuff that he didn't, he's never done before, standing up Barnett, standing up Avery, and it's working. And I expect him to continue to do that. But the one thing I would caution – you can't just do it. You now he's got to move these guys. You can't line them up on the same side because the Steelers know that's going to come. Maybe line Avery over over a, a defensive tackle instead of lining up on outside and let him rush from the inside. So you got to change it up. But man, that really worked last week. Uh, you did. If you watched inside the Birds pregame show last week, you guys did report that Mills was going to make the move. So what's the future there? Is Mills are they more inclined to keep him there? Are they going to move him back to safety? Uh, how does Mills' uh, season kind of play out when Maddox comes back? I mean, I, I find that to be a very interesting thing now. And how did he play at corner? Yeah, you know, Mills, I'm told, other than the one play that he gave up, did a good job, very solid job. But yeah, the one thing about the Niners, they don't beat you by routes. They beat you by schematics. They, they scheme to get their guys open. That's not what the Steelers do. So that that's my concern with Mills here, pump fakes and misdirection, where Mills has struggled in the past at times. Uh, you could bet that this Sunday the Steelers are, are, are they're a spread offense anyway. They they're four rod receivers deep. They will attack Jalen Mills, and I, I would be concerned. Man, the Eagles better hope it rains on Sunday because right now it looks like it's going to. Anything to slow up that Steeler pass game because they are going to attack that Eagles secondary. All right, uh, Adam Kaplan at Kaplan NFL. The Inside the Birds podcast will drop tomorrow morning at six a.m. and the Inside the Birds pregame show is a ten a.m. start. Get that on your social media platforms. It's a great show to get you ready for the Eagles and the Steelers. It's going to be what, like 5,500 fans there? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, yeah. They're going to be somewhere around that number. Now, are the Eagles and... going to have fans next week? Has that been decided yet? <laughs> no, it hasn't. But I know that they're looking at what's happening in other markets. So, um, yeah, because we, we have the relaxed, you know, we obviously in the state that the governor gave us, yes. uh, you know, we could have fans. So, uh, you could you could increase the, the the crowds, so I don't know why they wouldn't, but they need to announce that, and they have not yet. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because just talking to some of my friends in the media who've been to Eagle Game is kind of eerie to see no fans there. It's just uh, look when I went to that scrimmage, there were thirty media people in an empty stadium out sitting in the stands. That that was bizarre to me. Uh, it all goes down right here Sunday. Eagles Steelers ninety seven three ESPN. Merrill and Mike have the call. He's Adam Kaplan from the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam, thank you much, my friend. Guys, thank you. All right. Uh, he, like all guests, appeared via the boardwalk on the hotline. Football at four. It's brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now, and they'll match your first deposit up to $250. It is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. So, Adam Kaplan, you know, he talks about the wide receivers. He mentioned Fulgham as a guy. He said, I, I, you know, unless he really messes up, he's on the active roster. Deshaun Jackson, if he's healthy to go, looks like, uh, he said, coin flip for Alshon Jeffrey. 
they still got problems at that wide receiver position if they can't get these guys out there. You can't rely on J.J. or Ortega Whiteside getting healthy, helping you out. No, I, I really wish I asked him this question. I forgot about it. But Lane Johnson and that ankle injury, I mean, that was something that was pretty big during that game. He was in, he was out, you know? Like, it's a big part of this offensive line. Well, Doug talked about it the other day. He said it's going to be like that all year. He, it said it's going to take a little while to get loose in some games. Got right. warm. We're actually going to talk to the doctor about that later on, about, you know, hey, is this going to be something where he's going to be coming in and out of games, you know? Right. Man, you're going to have to figure that out, this offensive line. They they keep putting Band-Aids on it, but guess what? They seem to do a good job with the Band-Aids. We crushed them for all these other positions. The linemen, they seem to nail. Yeah, by the way, the injury report is out, speaking of which. Uh, on that injury report, did not participate. Alshon, illness, Avante Maddox, ankle, limited. Deshaun Jackson, hamstring, Lane Johnson, ankle, Rodney McLeod, hamstring. And full participation is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Fletcher Cox, not injury-related rest, Marcus Epps with a rib, Nate Herbig with a groin, and Jason Kelsey with a hip. That's not good. You know, they full participate, but Herbig and Kelsey both on that list. Lane Johnson's on this list. That's three. You know, five Eagles offensive linemen are already on the injured reserve. That's insane. I just thought about this, though, with the whole illness thing. Is it possible that the Eagles have it down as illness, but it's more of a setback, but because they don't want to look stupid for not putting him on PUP, they try and fool us by you utilizing different You can't say illness words? for three weeks, unless he's got COVID. Look, the Eagles are not very upfront with people. I feel like maybe, like, it's a, was it a risk to not put him on PUP, and now they're going, uh-oh. No, I wouldn't say that they're using illnesses to cover that up. Okay. You wouldn't use illness. Well, you don't want to make it seem say like illness. it's... How many weeks can you say illness? I don't know. Without, without essentially saying COVID. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I don't trust this organization with anything they do. So I always Maybe look not, for those... illness wouldn't be the reason. What would it be? They don't want to make it look like the setback, though. But illness, I mean, you're, you're basically saying the, the guy's got COVID and he doesn't. Well, that's not necessarily what, you're sick true. sick for four weeks? Because he doesn't have COVID now and it, it's on there as illness. But that's my point. How many weeks can you keep saying that he has an illness that you're going to keep putting him on the injured list? We're going to illness. Right. No, look, I'm with you, but I don't really see it as illness because why would that hold him out of practice? You don't feel good. I'm not buying that. Alshon doesn't feel good after everything he's been on. And fighting the injury, he's not going to practice because he doesn't feel good? I don't know. Well, That's he didn't practice last Thursday either. So there's a possibility that he just not practicing Thursday. Maybe he's not feeling great. I don't know. Oh, there's a goal. What are you betting on now? You became a degenerate. I think Serbia scored. Yeah. You're betting on Serbia? Playing Norway. Come on. It's a European qualifier. Dude, what does that even mean? Explain it to the people. JR's you, picks are coming up. You he won know. again last week. JR's on fire, huh? Yes. Gave us another winner last week. Did you use it? Of course. Better. That's why I keep getting those texts, those calls. <laughs> Sports match Live. 97.3 ESPN. JR's picture on the other side. We've got the NFL schedule. We'll go down through all the games, give you the lines and everything. Our thoughts on every single game at 5 o'clock. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football this Sunday. All right, it's time for JR's picks. JRWins.com, Wager Pro app. Check it out. And, of course, uh, JR gave us another winner last week. Gets him to 3-1 and one on the season. His free winner last week was, uh, it looked like it was going to be an easy one. It was the Cleveland Browns over Dallas. He told you to take the Browns. If you listened, you won again. 3-1 and one with JRWins.com. JR is back with another winner, hopefully for us all out there, as he gave us the Browns last week. But before we get to a free winner right here on the Sports Bash, 
Thursday night football. We got it right here for you on 97.3 ESPN JR. It opened at three. It's at three and a half. It's Brady versus Foles. It's a good Thursday night matchup for you. You're not kidding. It's a great matchup. I mean, let's face it, most guys are scratching their heads. Most Both teams are three and one. Bears, of course, playing at home. They're getting points. I can tell you right now, the information I have is razor sharp. I'm going to win this game. And anybody that wants to make tonight's game count and win big, I've got the point spread winner, and it's being left on a tape-recorded message. It really is that easy, guys. Dial this number and get the winner on a 30-second message right now. Compliments of WagerPro.com, 800 499-3733. That's 800-499-3733 to get the Thursday night winner between the Bucks and Bears absolutely free on the recorded message. Call that number right now, 800-499-3733. All right, JR, uh, I'm looking around the league and I'm saying there's some decent games this week, but you got to Interesting game in the NFC East. It's Giants-Cowboys rivalry game, an historically bad defense. The Giants are one of the lowest-scoring teams in the entire league. So uh, it opened at 11. It's 9, 9.5 here. I mean, what do you do with a team that can't score against a team that gives up points to everybody? You know, and you're right. This is going to be battle of who's got the worst defense because, quite honestly, they are both absolutely horrific. I mean, last week, as right here on your show, not only did I give out the Cleveland Browns, but as an investment players club game inside my office, my personal clients not only got the Browns last week, but I knew that they had a real good shot at winning that game outright. We bet the money line on the Browns last week. We had two money line bets, Browns and Eagles, which was Sunday night football. That one was incredible. Plus, almost 350 on that one so I mean look I, I know these teams very well of course the Giants are in my backyard and I've been studying I mean my best resources come out of Dallas so we really follow both of these teams extraordinarily well now here's the problem I'm not laying 9 or 10 or 11 points which is what it's going to wind up going to by the time we get to actual kickoff I'm not going to lay that kind of number with a 1-3 team, even though they're going against what's probably the worst team in football with the New York Giants. The Giants could get lucky. They could put up points on that secondary. Daniel Jones can look like the pick he was supposed to be. So I'm not going to say one way or the other here. If I have to make the pick and you put me on the line, I would take the underdog just because I'm not going to use the Cowboys minus that many points. They should win this game, but again, too many points. Stay away from this game. This is not a good game for you to be betting this week. I always, sure. I always like to look at these games where the lines move the most. Now we're into the fifth week of the season, and you're starting to see you know uh, people get a better feel of these teams. But Falcons defense, horrible, opened at three and a half, down to one at some places. Panthers seem like they've settled in now under Matt Rule. Uh, that game there, opened at three and a half, down to one, depending on where you're at. Absolutely. In fact, how is the 0-4 team against the 2-2 team here the actual favorite? I mean, first off, we know what the public's going to be doing in this game, and rightfully so. You would think, you would think they would be all over Carolina, but they're really not. They're actually betting on the Falcons, but yet the line is going the opposite direction. It did open Falcon minus three and dropped to minus one. Now, if the if the public was betting on Atlanta and it opened at three, shouldn't that line have gone to three and a half? This is what we look at and we say it's a reverse line movement. Is it a trick to try to pull you in one direction? Absolutely not. 
if I have to use this game, first off, I think Atlanta, at least by watching these teams, they have the much better offense. But Carolina's more disciplined. They're not making the mistakes. Even though this Falcons team is playing for their coach at this point, who Dan Quinn's going to be on the hot seat, I, I got a very funny feeling here that Carolina's going to break them down. That that run offense is going to really slow down this this ball game. And a game that slows down is trouble for Atlanta. So I would get on the Panthers here, plus the point. I'd even take the money line there, which is going to be nothing special. So Panthers to get it done in Atlanta this week. That's a winner. All right, last week you gave us the Browns. We got three straight winners, three and one on the season with the pick here from JRJRWins.com. Who is your uh, winner for our listeners this week? And all the other let's face it, when you ask me about the games, all the other games that we give out, I mean, we're hitting just an extraordinary percentage, and that's what we're going to continue to do here, guys. So make sure you take advantage of the information right now on tonight's Thursday night football game on the recording absolutely free at 800-499-3733, 800-499-3733. The easiest winner on the board by far and wide has got to be this Arizona Cardinals-New York Jets game. Jets are 0-4. They're going to do nothing. I mean, nothing against this Arizona defense, which is nothing special, but I I just don't think the Jets are going to be able to put up points they did the way that they did last week on Thursday night against the Broncos. Arizona needs a bounce-back game. There's a tremendous amount of value here at only seven points. If this game was being taken place two weeks ago, that line would have been 12-13. to 13. So I'm going to tell you, Arizona minus seven is a gimme this week. Get all over the Cardinals to wipe the snot out of the Jets. Easy winner. Cardinals minus the seven. Jets 0-4 against the number this year. JRWins.com. JR, give us the information one more time for tonight's Thursday night. Guys, get all over this matchup tonight. I'm telling you, I love the game. I feel there's just no chance I'm not going to win big. So call the number, 800-499-3733. Get the point spread winner of the Buccaneers-Bears game free on a recorded message, only 30 seconds long. Compliments of wagerpro.com. Call the number, 800-499-3733, and check out wagerpro.com. All right, jrwins.com. JR, again, with the uh, winner, it's Arizona. And don't forget tonight's game. It is the Bucks and the Bears. You can hear that right here on 97.3 ESPN. Thank you so much, man. Always my pleasure. Guys, have a very safe day, and go out there and make some money. We are doing our best to try to. If you've been using JR's picks, you've been getting winners right here on the Sports Bash. And I want to tell you this. Looking at uh, the game between the Eagles and the Steelers, just a couple of uh, numbers. 75% of the public money is going to the Steelers, 25 to the Eagles, 47% is going over, 53% is going under the number for that game. You like over-under in that game? Probably the under, just based off of you know the Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense. 44 and a half, by the way. It opened up yeah. at 46 and a half. Over-under is now 44.5. Steelers opened at 8. It's now down to 7. Okay. Mm. Well, look, last week they were, what, 9.5 by kickoff? The Eagles were underdogs by 9.5 points or so right before kickoff, and they went in there and did did their job. So I'm really intrigued by this Eagles team. The way I – this matchup, at least on Sunday, the way I kind of look at it is we don't know what their identity is yet, right? Like, who are they? And if they fall, you think, all right, well, the one win is the outlier. But if they win, it's like, are we starting to maybe get their identity more so? I mean, this is just such a big telling game on 
who this team really is going to be this season. This is the first step to tell well, us. Well, would you say, I know you're not as big of a Steelers guy as I am this season anyway. Is this the toughest test, or do you think last week was tougher? This is tougher for sure because they were that banged up last week where it was equivalent to how banged up the Eagles were. So I think this matchup on Sunday will tell me more than the 49ers game did. I'm interested to see because both these teams rushed the passer really well. Big we know time. Philly uh, gets, uh, I think they're 1-2 and two in the league in sacking the quarterback. So how would that Eagles offensive line, which is really banged up, this will be their best test of the year. How will they hold up against Pittsburgh? Is a big is a it's really what did Ike Taylor? I, I think we might have that bite that Ike Taylor talked about earlier um, in the show about the Eagles and their defensive line. Take a listen to what he said about the Eagles' success and failures. Essentially, when you look at this season, that team from from my standpoint and my eye test on what I saw, however that defensive line plays, that's how Philly's going to play. And I'm sure Coach T is going to tell the guys this week they're running their D-line like an Alabama defensive line. They're going 7-8 deep with the rotation. You know, so that's the strength for me. That's what Adam Kaplan just told us, too. He's like, you know, hey, the depth in the rotation. He talked about Avery. He said, and when they get back Vinnie Curry, they're going to be about 8 deep. That's exactly what Ike Taylor, former Steeler, told us earlier today, which is essentially they're going to be rolling guys in and out. And that's why the Eagles and, – and what the Eagles defensive line does, that sets the tone for the whole team the whole game. And I wonder with Big Ben, we talked about it earlier, how funky it looks, right? He's running. He's this big man. If they can get to him and hit him a couple times early, maybe that throws him off a bit. You know, like, hey, that man who's coming off the injury, older in his career, he starts getting hit, hit, hit. I know he's a bigger guy, but if they can get home, who knows how that throws him off. Look, Ben has been doing it awkwardly Definitely. looking for his whole career. Definitely. I mean, just a big, hulky guy. He never looks pretty doing it, but he always gets it done. And and you remember, I go back to the beginning. They went 8-8, eight and eight, and I said, he's got to be worth at least two wins for them. Just getting him back. And I thought what Ike Taylor talked about earlier, um, you know, and, and Adam brought this up. Like, they scheme their receivers open. Like, they don't have these great, you know, that number one guy. I think we kind of thought Juju Smith-Schuster might be like that number one guy, and I think we're finding out, maybe he's not a number one guy, but like he's like that next-level guy. But Roethlisberger is so savvy at just getting everybody involved and getting them the ball. That's one of the things that they didn't have. They just didn't have that last year. And I'm looking at those linebackers once again for the Eagles, and there's a matchup there that they can definitely take advantage of a few different ways. Few different ways, yeah. but that's where it comes back to this D line. Because if this D line can disrupt them enough, because look, George Kittle had an epic game, yet their defensive front was what allowed them to win that 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 game. Last yeah, Eric week. Ebon's pretty good too. Yeah. He's an athletic guy. But here's something interesting: Roethlisberger doesn't move all that well. So can the Eagles? You know, but one thing Roethlisberger does do: while he doesn't move all that well, he avoids sacks a lot. Like he is very good at getting out of the way, but. At this advanced age, and and maybe maybe the Eagles can just get a lot of pressure on him. And and since he's not as mobile as he he's a big guy, but he was a mobile guy. I mean, he wasn't a fast runner, but he was able to elude and he felt stuff and get out of there. But that could be a recipe for the Eagles to get this guy. 
you know? Well, let's flip it around. How about they got a good offensive line, though. Yeah, I love that you brought up the offensive line. Let's flip it around to the Eagles' offensive line. Now you got Jordan Maialata, who I think is going to go up against a more creative defensive front that's going to give him some different looks. He's going to be moving differently as you're celebrating because of a soccer bet. Norway scored. Are you serious? To win. How much time's left in the game? Doesn't matter. The, I know. I want to know how much you had to sweat that out, though. Uh, they're in the 91st minute. Wow. Did so they score you, an extra time? Wow. I think he scored an extra time. Yep. And you needed both teams to score? That's all the bet was. Now, how did you pick this bet? Uh, I told you yesterday. Your guy? My guy. All right. Luckily, we're going to get this guy on, right? We're going to be doing a new segment every Tuesday. It's called The Early Line. We're going to be talking about stuff that you should get on. When the first early lines come out. All right, I'm going to have to take this information He's going to have the floor to do anything else that he likes during the week and just kind of say, hey, if you're, boom, boom, boom. And you can we'll give out his Twitter handle. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, guy that I know, he listens to the show. Um, and, and we'll give you all the information. But we're going to do segment on Tuesday, early line. And then we're going to record something to air on the weekend. Oh, cool. All right. So you thought celebrating for winning money was more important than our in-depth, beautiful Eagle Steelers football conversation. That's a nice hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you like to put your thoughts on this Eagles offensive line? Maialata going up against a more creative yes. defensive line. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, Adam brought it down. You know, he played very well last week, but he's playing against, you know, guys that are backups. Cameron Hayward, pretty good player. I mean, they've got... Um, the sec, the are they one and the Eagles are two and or is it the other way around in sacks? Yeah, I think Eagles are number one. I think in the sacks Eagles are the one NFL. and in Pittsburgh they have fifteen. I think the Eagles have seventeen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're going up against a group of guys on that defense. But here's the thing too: their sacks are coming from Mike Hilton. The corner has two sacks. Um. Terrell Edmonds, the safety, has a sack. Vance Williams, the linebacker, has two. Devin Bush, a line they, like they're not their defensive ends and their defensive like linemen. It's Bud Dupree, they T.J. Watt. Those guys are like linebackers getting sacks. So yeah. what's it's confusing, and I'm interested to see if they confuse if they put some schemes in because if you watch the game on Sunday night, there was a play. It wasn't a sack or anything, but they showed that. San Francisco ran a stunt on a screenplay, I think it was, and that Maialata kind of got confused, and it caused Wentz to throw the ball early and just throw in different things at Maialata. Like, if you're one-on-one with Maialata, he's just such a big guy and an athletic guy that I think once he gets his paws on you, he's going to beat you. I mean, he's 6'7", 360 pounds. If he gets his hands up in, in, in like inside of you, He's going to win that battle, but if you can confuse him and make him think, that's where I think you can get him, and I think that's where this battle is going to be really interesting. Uh, with, with I mean, there are three, four, so it's a different look. Definitely, that's what I think they're going to do. They're going to throw different guys at you. You're going to see someone at the corner of his eye, right, coming towards Carson. He's going to have to make that split second decision on what he wants to do, and I think that's where the inexperience of Jordan Mailata might come into play. And it's not just him. I mean, it's an inexperienced offensive line as a whole outside of Kelsey. And we don't really know what's going to happen with with Lane Johnson. There might be plays where he's in. There might be plays where Jack Driscoll's in. You're going to have to flip-flop guys in and out of there based off of his ankle. I think the Steelers could come up with something super creative to mess with the heads of this inexperienced line, and that's a battle to watch. Tomorrow, Casey Joyner with the matchups to watch. Right here on the Sports Bash, NFL Insider, the football scientist. Nobody watches more tape 
than Casey Joyner. He breaks it down with us every Friday with one thought on every game and all the matchups to watch in the Eagles game. Mark it down, 315 tomorrow right here on the Sports Bash. Sal Pal tomorrow, also former Eagle linebacker, really former Steeler linebacker. He played for the Eagles for a year, LeVon Kirkland. Now, he was a massive linebacker. How do you think he likes the state of linebacking in the NFL today? Probably likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Millman tomorrow as well. Uh, all right, coming up, we've got uh, the NFL schedule in 15 minutes. I got another Sports Bash cash code word in 10 minutes, so stick around. Got a chance to win $10,000 coming up. And, by the way, Friday night. We'll have St. Joe and Pleasantville. You can watch the game live on our website, 973ESPN.com. We'll have live video and the live play-by-play on the radio. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on Sports Bash with Mike Gill. Weekdays from 2 to 6. South Jersey's number one sports talk radio show on 973ESPN-FM. All right, Ask Mike and Broads is brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. Check them out online at PropSwap.com. If you have a question for today's Ask Mike and Broads, we got a bunch of them, but uh, if you have a better one, we will uh, bump the bad ones and put the good ones in. 609-403-0973. Want me to... Uh... Yeah, I got one, too. Go ahead, though. Uh, guys... Why isn't Clinton uh, Haha Clinton Dix signed? He could help the Eagles. Twenty-seven-year-old veteran safety. Would you uh, be interested in him? I don't know that that's accurate, though. I thought he was. Uh, he might be unsigned. I don't know. He got cut by. Well, if he got cut by the Cowboys, what the hell do I want him for? <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. Like when you had Will Parks and you had Jalen Mills back there with Rodney McLeod and and Kayvon Wallace, it's like. Did HaHa Clinton Dix make sense? You know what I mean? Like, at the time, in the beginning of the year, was that really something you needed? Do you still need a safety right now? Yes, I mean, Kayvon Wallace was out there for snaps last week. He's probably not ready yet, but do you want to groom him? He, mean- got, he got beaten out by Darian Thompson. He got released after a one-year, $3.7 million deal. Xavier Woods. He doesn't even work hard, and he beat him. No, I don't want HaHa Clinton Dix. He's one of those guys... Like, he would be playing the Rodney McLeod role, I think, and McLeod's probably better than he is at this point. And think about it. He was with Green Bay, then he's with Chicago, Dallas. Washington. Like, yeah, like, he's starting to get cut around a bit, and once that starts happening, I think you got to realize, hey, maybe something's not there. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're getting beat at, if you're getting released by Dallas, I mean, he had a name, he was a first-round pick, and Dallas, who has a historically bad defense, decided he ain't good enough to play for us. Nah, I'll pass on that. Maybe they made the wrong decision, though. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want him. But you know what I mean. It's like, can I trust Dallas to make the proper decisions defensively? Yeah, I got another one. You have a good one. I got one that has to do with Grinky. Okay, hold on. That Grinky thing's unbelievable. Mike, is it true that Brandon Workman, the reliever, was good the last year, two years? Thanks. He was very good the last two years. Very he was a combined sixteen and two. It, it's funny. Imagine him getting hitting free agency after last season. He would have got paid a bunch of money. A bunch of money. When he had the under he was two 10 ERA. 10 1 with a 180 ERA last year. He would have got paid. Guys, I know this is out of left field, but when does the NHL start up again? Soft date, January 1st. That is out of left field. That is. Someone's, someone's anticipating some hockey, huh? How about that? Yeah. What? Well, hockey. What's wrong with that? 
Southern just it's out of left field. He said this one's out of left field. I'm agreeing with him. You're going to see a, a interesting flyer squad this year. Some expectations. Free agency starting, right? Yeah, we're going to see some moves being made. I think Chuck Fletcher is going to go out there and make some splashes. Got to replace uh, Matt Niskanen. Yeah. Chuck Fletcher, though, in Minnesota, he spent a ton of money, and then he got into salary cap issues. I'm afraid that that happens here, but we'll see what happens. Now, Matt asked about Greinke. He asked if we saw what Greinke did today. We did see what he did. He told who hit the homer. I didn't. I don't know if I actually saw who actually I hit. I didn't see who hit the hit homer the, Yeah, I just saw what Zach Greinke did. Well, whoever the batter was, he showed him that he was throwing his second pitch. He throws it right down the pipe. Boom! Well, apparently he's been doing it all year, though. Like, he literally held up two fingers and said, here comes a, a curve. Is he trying to show the other team that cheating, even if you know what's coming, I'm still going to get you out? Well, it didn't work. Not on this one, but apparently he's been doing it all year. And it's working. That's a joke to do that. That's a joke. Well, you don't really know if that's coming, though, at the time. You know what I mean? That's, well, that's the, the whole point, I think. Is, like, I talked about this with you the other day. Like, Yeah, I can't believe you you have this mindset that they're well, it's funny. better at cheating. It's than- funny. Have you heard people, like, you're starting to hear people. I heard Dave Weinberg say this last night on Weinberg Wednesday, that the Astros have become like a sympathetic team now. Yeah, I don't feel bad for them Because they got a different manager and all these guys. And it's like, eh, we'll show you that we can win without cheating. Yeah, but no, even if they do win, that still doesn't justify how much help they got when they did cheat. 